Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So we're just going to read from Colossians 2 today. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Um, so we'll just pray really quickly for Steve before he talks. Thank you, Lord, that we can read your word together, although we're all separate. Bless Steve as he talks for us today. Bless and open the hearts of those who hear him and let his words fall on those who need to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Lovely to be with you. And uh, thanks, uh, everyone, for persevering through different Wi-Fi issues. And well done, Maffy. Uh, I turned my phone over like he told me to, so I didn't see the text message he sent saying, Steve, my Wi-Fi is gone. There you go. But I am very grateful for Stephen Tutty. And he doesn't know why, but he's just given us uh, my kind of opening illustration, eating food in the background and the notices. We're all desperate to know what cereal it was. Uh, well, I wonder if you've ever had the, uh, the experience of cooking a meal. And you had this wonderful meal and everything was ready to go. It was good. And you thought, I'll just add one more thing. And you added one more thing. And instead of enhancing the meal, it ruined the meal. Now, on the screen, you have an infamous example in our marriage from our first year of marriage where I cooked a delightful chili. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to add one more thing. And I added cinnamon. Cinnamon, you say, yes cinnamon very inexperienced cook and i had this lovely chili and it was ruined so then i tried to fix it and i thought i've ruined this chili i've added cinnamon why was i adding cinnamon to a chili so i thought and i literally did this you can ask leanne i added every single herb pretty much we had in the cupboard in the hope that if i kept adding things eventually it would get better but it only got worse the meal was good it was complete it was ready and i was tempted to add one more thing and that one extra thing ruined it all you ever done that or was it just me? Well, silly, a silly illustration, maybe. But it is actually the temptation that is in the church in Colossae. The church has started well with Jesus, but they're tempted to add something to him. So Paul, who's never met the Apostle Paul, who's never met, never met the Colossians, Epaphras had planted the church, Epaphras preached the gospel, the church grew, it started to bear fruit, it started really well, and then they started to think, maybe we need something, it's not like we're going to get rid of Jesus, we just want to add to him, and then we reach maturity, 
and then we'll reach freedom, like a, a, maybe a deeper or a greater freedom, or the word that is used repeatedly in the book of Colossians, a greater fullness, a spiritual fullness. And Paul's point, and I wish he told me when I was cooking my chili, was adding anything to my chili, adding anything to Jesus for spiritual growth is both futile and dangerous, even if it looks harmless and good. That's today's lesson, friends. Adding anything to Jesus for spiritual growth is both futile and dangerous, even if it looks harmless and good. So what were the Colossians tempted to add to Jesus? I was tempted to add cinnamon to my chili. What were they tempted to add to Jesus that looked innocent, just a little herb, but was harmful? It would destroy everything. Well, there's three top-up temptations that the Colossians had. They were tempted to add to Jesus religious rituals, 16 and 17, spiritual experience, verses 18 and 19, and personal rules, 20 to 23. So let's have a look at each one of them and see how they apply to us today. Top up temptation number one is religious rituals. Paul writes, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Do you see what the Colossians are tempted to do to top up their spirituality? Jewish festivals and Jewish food laws. The Colossians were predominantly, we assume, because they're not from Jerusalem, uh, Gentiles by background. And so they weren't Jews. And yet they were thinking, well, maybe we kind of we need to add some of that Jewish stuff to our faith. Yeah, Jesus is great, but some of these Jewish food laws and, and religious festivals, maybe that's how you get to the elite. Maybe that's how you get to become really mature as a Christian. And Paul says, don't you dare. It's futile. It's dangerous. Don't you dare. Look what he says. Futile. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. All those Old Testament food laws that made you clean, they were shadows. How did you get really clean? Jesus. Jesus removes all of the dirt, all of the uncleanliness, all of the inadequacy. The food laws of the Old Testament helps us understand that we were unclean and we need to be made clean, but they were just a shadow. The reality has come in Jesus. It's not the externals that need cleansing. It's the internal. It's the heart. And Jesus doesn't, you know, it's not what goes into your mouth. It's what comes out and he cleans the heart. How do you become pure? How do you become spotless? How do you become holy without blemish? Jesus. He's the reality. Don't go to a shadow. The festivals, the sacrifices, the Passover festival, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement festival, wonderful shadows, but they were just shadows telling us that Passover, we now have liberation. Yom Kippur, we now have atonement. Sabbath, we now have rest. All in Jesus, who is fully and finally and forever atoned for our sins so we can be free from the condemnation. Don't go back to the shadow. It's futile. We have the reality. You've got everything in Jesus. But it's not just futile. It's first, it's dangerous. Do you see how the verse started? Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. If you go back to Jewish festivals, and if you go back to the food laws, and if you start adding all that stuff in, divisions will start to appear in any church, any local church. 
and you'll start judging each other. There's the ones that sort of do the food laws and there's the ones that don't. And, and, and we fall into the same trap, don't we? I, I, I've done it many times to my shame. You have to go to this conference. You have to read this book. You have to hear this person. You have to take this overseas trip. There's something else you kind of have to do because it's as if Jesus is not enough. And therefore, you have groups in the church who have kind of got a different level of spiritual eliteness compared to Paul says, don't do don't go there. You'll start judging each other. It's futile. It's dangerous. It's a shadow. You have the reality. Jesus, stick with him. You need nothing else. Top up temptation number two. If first one is religious rituals, the second one is spiritual experience. If you want to be really complete really full if you want to be the elite well you need to have a certain type of experience as a christian look what he says do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind look how good it appears because it comes with false humility Look how glamorous it appears. There's worship of angels. That sounds interesting. Look how true it seems. There's all these details, great detail, Paul says. Paul says, futile and dangerous. Don't miss what it is. Futile, they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. It seems so good. It seems so glamorous. It seems so true. They're just puffed up. Speculation not it's just futile and then he says but it's dangerous too they have lost connection with the head jesus from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows just as god causes it to grow not only is there nothing to it these people have actually lost relationship with jesus the head how ironic and i've experienced this People who go into great detail of their spiritual experience that is required for maturity as a Christian, and instead of enabling maturity as a Christian, they cut people off for what is required for maturity. They're cut off from the head. They actually stop. Jesus becomes secondary to the spiritual experience, and they stop growing. If a certain type of spiritual experience becomes central, paramount, mandatory, in the life of a local church, instead of leading people to Jesus, you lead people away from him. Be careful. This is dangerous. Do you see what Paul says? You're losing connection with the head. How many times have I experienced and sadly propagated growing up that you have people get pressurized, that they're not quite sufficient. They haven't quite made it as a Christian until you have this kind of experience or this kind of spiritual gift. Speaking from experience, I remember as a teenager faking a spiritual experience at a big Christian festival. I felt inadequate. So I walked to the front and in front of thousands of people and, you know, there was a call to the front and I pretended that the Holy Spirit was working on me. And to my delight, people from church came to watch. Why? Well, of course, the fault was ultimately mine. I was drawing attention to myself. It was my ego was the biggest problem. And for that, I repented. But I had somehow imbibed or understood, again, maybe my problem, that I wasn't quite enough without this experience. 
And in hindsight, I think I can say, well, there was so much good, so much good about what I received in that festival. It was maybe slightly imbalanced. Now, is there anything wrong with desiring spiritual experience? Or is there anything wrong with having a spiritual experience? Of course not, no. But one, your desire must be for God and not a spiritual experience. And if he decides to give you one, hallelujah, but you don't desire the experience, you desire God. Two, you don't need a spiritual experience to be full in Christ. Three, if you get a spiritual experience, be careful it doesn't puff you up or make you proud or make you feel special and be careful you don't mandate that everyone else has the same experience as you. The Apostle Paul, who had greater spiritual experiences than all of us from what I can understand, was always so reticent to talk about his spiritual experiences. Just read the book of 2 Corinthians. Why? Because he didn't want to make the experience more central than Jesus. So beware of pride. Evaluate your experience in the light of Scripture. Consider why, if you get an experience God has given it you, it's not to gloat. It's probably because he wants you to suffer and to call you to the suffering he's got for you. He needs to give you some kind of experience to booster you. So if it's not religious festivals, if it's not spiritual experience, well, what else is going to get us to add to Jesus? Well, Paul has the top up temptation, personal rules. Do you see that in verse 20 to 23? The Colossians had created a list of rules that good Christians must follow to overcome sin and reach elite levels of progress, to receive fullness. So verse 20 and 21, he says, since you died with Christ, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, to this world, you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. When Paul talks about the elemental spiritual forces of this world, he may be referring to spiritual demonic forces, but more likely just to the basic way the world works. And the basic way humanity thinks about spiritual growth is always through rules. Add rules, do this, adopt this habit and you will grow. And what Paul is saying is just really, really careful here. If you think that you're gonna grow as a Christian by adding rules to Jesus, it is what? Futile, dangerous. Verse 22, futile. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. The rules will perish, and so will you if you follow them as the way of maturity. They're just the latest human ideas that will pass away and be replaced by another trend or fad or self-help technique. They're not from God. They're futile. Don't waste your time. But it's not just wasting your time. It's about not becoming enslaved. In verse 8, we didn't read it today, but Paul uses the same phrase, elemental spiritual forces, and he says, do not let them take you captive. In other words, don't become a slave. Rebecca talked about it last week. So not only are these rules, you know, if you try and add rules to your faith futile, it's actually dangerous because you can become a slave. So he says such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, there's the rules of discipline, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Notice the similarity to spiritual experience. It seems good. There's false humility again. It seems harmless. They have the appearance of wisdom. 
What does Paul say? They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Friends, how many young Christians do I know, including myself, who've tried to grow as Christians through adding rules and it got them nowhere? You know what I'm talking about. It's the basic way the world works. We all do it. You've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. It's the default mode of the human heart. If I want to grow spiritually, I have to add rules. It doesn't work. It's never worked. Brothers and sisters, rules have no power. They cannot change your affections. They cannot change your desires. They cannot change your motivations. They cannot change your attitudes and your outlook. And Paul says here, they cannot even restrain sensual indulgence. Rules cannot change you because they cannot change the heart. Only Jesus can change you because he can change the heart. You want to overcome the seven deadly sins of sensual indulgence, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, pride. Rules won't do it. Rules won't do it. Only Jesus can change that. So it's dangerous to overcome, to try to overcome the sins of the flesh by adding rules to your life. Because your heart will stay the same, but you'll either add to the problem pride, because you're keeping the rules, or the emotional trauma of despair as you fail to keep the rules. There's an appearance of wisdom. There's false humility, but there's death at the end. It's a death trap. Rules have no power. They can't change you. Only Jesus can. That is why the whole argument that we've been working through in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 9, is about a whole new identity in Jesus. Overcoming these sins and is about learning to live out your new identity, not returning to old rules. Verses 9 and 10, in Jesus you're full Verse 11 and 12, in Jesus, you've been made into a new person. And Paul says, not through the external circumcision, but an internal circumcision of the heart. Verse 13, you've been given new life. Verse 14, you've been forgiven. Verse 15, you've been freed from all forms of accusation of the devil. Verse 15, you've been freed from all spiritual powers. He's victorious over all the devil and his demonic forces. And verse 14, you have been freed from all of the rule keeping. Read it with me. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. All of the rules, all of the rules that you and I should have obeyed to live a perfect life, but haven't, led to a legal indebtedness. They were there showing us how in debt we were because we'd failed so much. And Paul says they have been nailed to a cross in the person of Jesus who perfectly obeyed them all for us. They can no longer accuse. They can no longer condemn. They've been taken away. And he says, cancelled. As Katie Young helped me a few weeks ago, with this analogy cancel culture is a big deal right now 
If someone has an opinion that is not popular or in vogue with a certain group, they are cancelled. They are written off. They are treated as if they didn't exist. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has cancelled our failure to keep all the rules that led to illegal indebtedness. He's written them off. He's treated them as they don't exist. So don't go back to them. They can't change you. They can just enslave you. They will not free you from sensual indulgence. They will not liberate you. Go to Jesus. He can do it all. He can forgive you and liberate you and change you. And that's why, and we're going to see this next week and going forward, Paul says, you want to overcome sensual indulgence? You want to grow as a Christian? You want to, if, if we can say this, get fuller? You I mean, you already are full if you want to enjoy that fullness? He says, know who you are. Chapter 220, he says it right here, since you died with Christ. Next verse, since you've been raised. Hallelujah. You don't go to walls to grow as a Christian. You return to your identity in Jesus You've died, you've been raised, you're a new creation, you have a new identity, a new power, a new hope, a new destiny, a new perspective. You are complete in him. Once you understand that, you'll start to overcome sensual indulgence. Just watch. We will take off the new, the old clothes, Paul's going to say, that belong to an old nature, and we're going to put on new clothes. Come in two weeks' time, we're going to look at it. That is how you overcome sensual indulgence, not rules but a greater understanding of your identity in Jesus. So let me sum up and then we'll apply. The Colossians are being tempted by false teachers not to get rid of Jesus. It's not that strong. It's more subtle to add to Jesus. They're saying if you really want to be full, complete, free, mature, you need to progress through religious rituals or spiritual experience or personal rules. And isn't it interesting? These three top-up temptations have plagued the church for 2,000 years. They, were, they are as real today as they were in first century Colossae. What is Paul's main point? Remember it? Adding anything to Jesus for spiritual growth is both futile and dangerous, even if it looks harmless and good. A bit of cinnamon. It's actually going to ruin the whole, the whole thing. So what about us as we start 2021? It's a timely message for us in lockdown. Many of us are already tired, fed up, we're frustrated, we're worried, and we're nervous. What is the temptation in such a state? It is the temptation of the Colossians. Not so much to abandon Jesus, but to feel you need to add to him. To survive this lockdown, I need something else other than Jesus. To help me through these challenging days, I need some kind of something else. Maybe you feel stagnant. Maybe you feel stuck in your walk with God. I need a religious activity. I need some kind of experience. I need to... No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus is enough. He is. You're complete in him. You're full in him. You're free in him. Anywhere else is futile and dangerous. You see, for many people, Christianity is a bit like the Colossians. It's, it, or what the temptation of the Colossians is pick and mix. I'll take some stuff from the Bible. I'll take some worldly rules and wisdom. I'll take that self-help technique. I'll, this, my friend suggested something and I'll mix it all in and it appears good and helpful. But if Jesus is not at the foundation and center of it all, it's futile and dangerous. Whatever the pressure you are feeling 
right now, you're facing right now, whatever you feel right now in this lockdown, we have all we need in Jesus. Don't even think about adding to him. We've said throughout the whole series, the key to growth and greater understanding of this maturity and freedom we have is not to look elsewhere, but to put our roots deeper. That's our series, Rooted in Christ. The deeper you go into him and his love and his wisdom and his promises and your understanding of your identity in him, the deeper you go, the stronger you are, the more you can handle the storms, that you'll keep bearing fruit in all seasons of life because you're finding enough water right down deep enough in those roots. You'll find a freedom. Remember the Apostle Paul who wrote these words. He was in lockdown too, the lockdown of a Roman prison. And yet his life is the epitome of someone who's put their roots down in Christ and has allowed his circumstances, has allowed his lockdown to push him deeper into Christ. Even though Paul himself is in quarantine, we can't move more than 5K. He couldn't move more than two meters of whatever his cell was. He's unable to move about freely. And yet there is no bitterness. There is no self-pity. There is no anxiety or boredom or stagnation. Why? Because Paul is full of Christ. And therefore, as he says in verse 8, he's overflowing with thankfulness. He's in lockdown externally, but he's free and liberated internally. All you need is Jesus. Verse 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. There's nowhere else you can go. You're full to stay with him in this lockdown. Let me pray. Let's take a moment to reflect. Oh, Father, we we say sorry. When I prepared this sermon, I realized how I ticked all the top-up temptations recently or in the past. I tried them all, I thought, and I just say sorry, Lord, that so often I drift thinking I need something more than Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, even everything that was needed to forgive us of all of our failure, to Free us from all of our captivity to the things that really matter, our sin and our negative thoughts and our bad habits. You've, free, you've, you've done everything required. And thank you, Jesus, that you give us a fullness, a fullness of identity and love and assurance. And I pray for every one of us, Lord, whichever our temptation is, if it's to rituals, if it's to experience, if it's the rules, today you'd have just brought that helpful correction that we'd stay with you, Jesus, and we'd go deeper in you, and we'd allow the lockdown to push us deeper in you, that our roots would go deeper, and we'd become steadier, maturer, and more fruitful as we put our roots deeper in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in you we have everything we need. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.